Good morning. So we are in the book of Mark all summer long. We're getting towards the end. In fact, today we're up to Mark chapter 14. And, and really, if, if there was a key word for today, if this was Sesame Street and I was Bert, Ernie, or maybe the cookie monster, I would tell you that the word for today is sacrifice. And we're going to see that come up in a couple of big stories in Mark chapter 14. Sacrifice is the word for the day. I've told you in the past that Mark uses a literary device called the Mark Sandwich, it's been called, where he starts with one thought, goes to the meat of the sandwich, and then circles back around to, to the same thought that he began with. That happens at the beginning of Mark chapter 14 once again. He begins, Mark 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, telling about the evil men who are out to, in cahoots to get Jesus. And then he gives us the meat of the sandwich, and he comes back around in verses uh, uh, 11 and 12, or 10 and 11, rather, to tell us about how Judas Iscariot joined with those guys in verses 1 and 2 to, to, to destroy Jesus. But the meat, the part that he wants to emphasize, is verses 3 through 9. And so we're going to read that. If you have your Mark journal, get it out. We're going to read this morning the, that entire passage, Mark 3 through 9. And this is how Mark tells the story. While he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table, and a woman came with an alabaster alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly and she broke the flask and poured it over his head there were some who said to themselves indignantly why was that ointment wasted like that for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they scolded her but jesus said leave her alone why do you trouble her she has done a beautiful thing to me for you will always have the poor with you and whenever you want, you can do good for them. Notice Jesus didn't say ignore the poor, forget about the poor. He said you can help them anytime. In fact, you should, ought, you, you better help the poor. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She anointed my body be beforehand for burial. Jesus recognizes what's coming down the road. He's going to be crucified in just a couple of days. And truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. All right, to really understand this passage, to understand what's happening, we need to fill in some gaps from the Gospel of John. John tells us a few things that Mark doesn't tell. John tells this exact same story, but gives us a few extra details. For instance, this gathering at Simon's house, Simon the former leper's house, the, the reason for the whole party, according to John, was to honor Jesus. Simon had been a leper, and Jesus healed him. Had Jesus not healed Simon, he would not be able to have this party. He would not be ready to celebrate Passover. He would be outside the city gates with all the other lepers. And whenever anyone approached him, he would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. But Simon is throwing a party because Jesus healed him. And, and Simon, figuratively, Jesus gave Simon back his life. And now Simon can enjoy Passover. Who knows how long it had been since Simon had been able to enjoy Passover. But this year he can because of Jesus. Not only was Simon there at Simon's house, but he also invited Lazarus. Now we all know Lazarus' story. He was dead, dead, dead. Dead as could be dead. And Jesus touched, raised him, called him out of the grave. And many Bible scholars think that it wasn't just Lazarus and Simon and Jesus and the disciples at this party, but that other people, other people who Jesus had healed had come to this party. You know, Jesus healed hundreds of people. It was Passover week, so they were coming into town to celebrate Passover. And so no doubt, many of these people that Jesus healed, so very, very thankful 
for what Jesus has done in their life. And Simon decided he was going to throw a party all in honor of Jesus. All the former lame people, former blind people, former lepers, former demonic people, all coming for this party in honor of Jesus. And so it was going to be a big deal, a really big deal. So these folks, you know, they're all excited. They come to Passover too. My guess is, it's a little bit like our online folks. Our online folks who, who, who haven't been able to come and because of the pandemic and they haven't been comfortable coming to church yet. I, I think it'll be, they're kind of like what these folks were at the, at the party. Because soon when our online folks are ready and able, after months and months and months of being away, we were with my mother-in-law last night. She said, can I come to church tomorrow? Oh, she wants to come. She's been, she's been stuck in her place since March, like many of our folks have. I said, no, you can't come just yet. And so she's at home, and other people, so, but when you come, that Sunday, our online folks, when you come back to church, you'll come through those doors, and you'll smell the cleaning solution, the smell of Central Church, you know, and you'll, and you'll come in, and you'll find your familiar seat, unless it's been roped off, you'll find your familiar seat, and, 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 and around you will sit the familiar people, unless it's, their row is roped off, and so they're two rows in front of you. And you'll hear the, you know, maybe it's, if it's this service, you'll hear the choir sing, or you'll hear the band play. And, I'll, and even if I preach a clunker of a sermon, you'll say, oh, the preacher could have preached a better sermon, but oh, it was so good to be back in the house of the Lord. It was so good. You understand exactly what King David meant when he wrote in Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I imagine that's how these folks felt at Simon's party. Some of them had been unclean. Some of them had been blind. They'd been lame. They couldn't go to Passover. It was a really big deal. But now they could. And the reason they could come is because of Jesus. So they're having this big party all in honor of Jesus. And Simon's there and Lazarus is there. And the disciples are there and Martha's there. Who knows who all is there? They're throwing this party. It's a wonderful time. And then she shows up, Mary. Now, there was a lot of Marys in those days. It seemed like every family had a Mary, all named after Moses' sister, Miriam. And a lot of times, families would have two Marys. They'd call them Mary the Older, Mary the Younger. They weren't all that creative with girl names back then. And so this Mary, isn't Mary the mother of Jesus? Isn't Mary Magdalene? This is Mary of Bethany, Mary the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary, the one who, remember when Jesus was at their house, she was, she was worshiping Jesus at, at his feet while Martha was in the kitchen, and Martha kind of got a little miffed at Mary. Remember her? And then this is the same Mary who, when her brother Lazarus died, they were out, at the, out of the cemetery, mourning, grieving the, the passing of their brother when, 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 when Jesus showed up. And, you know, they were a little miffed at Jesus, Martha and Mary both. They said, Lord, if you would, have, you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. They were kind of miffed at Jesus. And that's when, of course, you know, Jesus went into action and, and Jesus, you know, uh, uh, healed her, or called Lazarus out from the grave and everything, everything, everything changed. So Mary, Mary, Mary shows up at this party a little late. Now, I don't know why she was late. Maybe she had to run home and get the family heirloom that she's going to use in just a minute. So I, I, should, I should say, before we get very far, the custom of the day, when somebody came into your house, was to anoint them with oil, just your everyday run-of-the-mill, you know, olive oil, you know, maybe the, 
Walmart brand olive oil, I don't know, Equate olive oil, Great Value olive oil. If, 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 if Simon shopped at Sam's Club, you know, Sam's Choice olive oil, you know, put a little bit on his head. But in walks Mary, and she doesn't have Equate or Great Value or, or, or Sam's Choice even. She has a flask of pure nard. You think, la da pure nard, who cares? Well, pure nard came from the Ganges River. Now, you won't read about the Ganges River in the Bible because the Ganges River is in India. And the only way for pure nard to get from India to Jerusalem was through a caravan. It took months and months and months to get there. It was very expensive. It was an expensive procedure. And so she brought it in. That's what she has with her, this, this bottle of pure nard. And she walks in and she starts looking around that room, Simon's house. Now, now we're told that the disciples will tell us later that this pure nard is worth 300 denarii. It's in her hand. A denarii is a day's wage. To give you a little context, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000 men, which was really 20,000 people, the disciples said, said it would cost 200 denarii to, fill that, to feed that whole crowd. Well, now she's got this little bottle of nard worth 300 denarii, a year's wage, very expensive. So she, 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 she comes into the room and she's thinking about all the things, she's seeing all these people that Jesus has healed. She sees Simon, he's throwing the party and... And you know, last year he was outside the city gates yelling unclean to anybody cross by. And she sees, she sees the friend of hers who'd been blind and she remembers she used, to, she used to bag on the corner between Bethany on the way to Jerusalem. And there was that, there was that kid who had been demon-possessed and, and his dad had prayed and prayed and prayed and nobody could help him and then Jesus came. And then she looked over the room sitting in the corner. There he was, her brother, He's laughing, carrying on like nothing happened. Well, her mind went back to that cemetery when her and Martha, her sister, were grieving and crying, thinking they'd never see him again. There he is, sitting next to Jesus, just carrying on like old times. And Mary, it overcame her. She just, you know, the, the love what Jesus had done for her. She couldn't, she couldn't just... Just forget about what Jesus, she's looking around this room and all these people that Jesus had helped. So she walked up to Jesus and she took that, that bottle of nard, that expensive, expensive bottle. You're worth a full, you know, a year's wage. And her heart was so full of love and gratitude. She just spontaneously, you know, just out of, uh, opened up the whole flask poured the entire bottle over. Gee, the whole thing, the whole house stunk like nard. There was, there was no mistake in what she had done. No, this act of love, it caused a huge brouhaha. Disciples led by, John tells us, led by Judas, you might expect. He was upset. They could believe it. Does she, does she know that that cost how much, how much that, would that would feed so many people? Can you believe the waste of this woman? What a frivolous thing that she did. Verse 4 and 5. Why was the ointment wasted like this? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And verse 5 ends and says, and they scolded her. The, mark, the, the word Mark uses there is the uh, strongest word they could have used. It denotes a snorting horses. Oh, I can't believe what Mary done. Oh, 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 oh. 
I can't. What a wasteful thing. Do you know how many poor people that 300 denarii went out? A lot of poor people. I can't believe it. They were mad. Really, really mad. The message version of of this passage Says, says they swelled up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation. Oh, they're furious. Do you know some good people can get mad over silly things? Boy, this pandemic has shown that. Couldn't we just love one another? I googled just for fun uh, the most expensive perfume. And the Guinness Book of World Records says the most expensive perfume is, is perfume called Clive Christian Number no. 1 Imperial Majesty. It was produced in a 10-bottle lot, bottles of it, made in 2005, so 15 years ago, and you can purchase it for the low, low price of $205,000. You, you get 500 milliliters, about eight or nine ounces of this uh, uh, perfume for $205,000. Oh, but with the price of it, it gets delivered, hand-delivered to you in a Bentley. And so if you want to see a Bentley, this perfume, five, little bottle, 205, can you imagine that? $205,000. Do you know how many people we could help? $205,000 of Clive Christian number one Imperial Majesty. Oh my God. You know, we're trying to raise 65000 to wipe out the medical debt in Genesee County. 205000 we could wipe out the medical debt in Shiawassee and Lapeer County and Saginaw County. Probably living city. We could wipe it off. Can you know how many people we could help with $205,000? That's what the disciples are thinking. Mary just broke open that flask. Pure nard poured out the whole thing all over Jesus. I can't believe it. And Jesus, Jesus... Jesus says to the boys, slow down, boys. Just slow down. Hold on. What Mary has done is not a wasteful thing, not a frivolous thing, not a silly thing. He says, leave her alone. Why trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. You see how? A beautiful thing. Now, generally, back in those days, they'd anoint a corpse with oil before burial. That, that didn't happen for Jesus because he was crucified. No one was around. It was supposed to happen, remember? It was supposed to happen on Sunday. Praise the Lord, it didn't happen. When the ladies went to the tomb on Easter Sunday to anoint his body, they thought, well, we didn't do it on Friday. Let's do it today. Of course, Jesus was raised from the dead. So this is his anointing. He said, this is the anointing for his burial. And he said, this is, this is a beautiful thing. Not a frivolous thing. Not, a, not a, a wasteful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I think God always loves when we give an expression of, of an extravagant, beautiful, crazy love. Sacrificial. That's our word for the day, isn't it? A sacrificial gift. That's what Mary does. Now, Mary's ex- example of, ex- in a, of an extravagant, sacrificial gift, it isn't the only one that happened that day. Remember, this is Tuesday night, Tuesday night of Holy Week. It happened Tuesday morning, too. Do you remember that story? We looked at it a couple weeks ago. In Mark chapter 12, there's an example of an extravagant gift that Jesus commends. And and that morning, remember, so Tuesday night, they're having this party at Simon's house. Tuesday morning, remember, Jesus was at the temple, and he was sitting by the offering box. And he was watching folks put their offering in. And and an old widow came up and put put in two little coins, Two little half pennies. We don't even have a coin that's that small. Two little half pennies. That's all she had. She put it in. And Jesus commends her. 
He says, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more, in all, more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. Everything she had, all she had to live on. That's an extravagant, sacrificial gift. The nameless widow and Mary both gave sacrificially. Jesus commended them both. Now, it isn't equal values. You know, the widow, the poor widow, she put in two little half pennies. Worth, worth nothing, practically. Mary, she gave this extravagant, worth, worth a year's wages, 300 denarii, years, thousands and thousands of dollars. But both are commended by Jesus. Not equal value, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. I wish we could be like that. That we would understand the joy of giving, that we would be people who are offering beautiful gifts to the Lord, that when we st start to think about all the things that Jesus has done for us, and we start, you know, counting our blessings, and think, boy, after what all that Jesus has done for me. Now, it won't be equal gifts. If you've been blessed by God and you have a, have a lot, wonderful, 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 you know, you can, you, your sacrifice might be a lot. If you've been blessed by God, but not blessed financially by God, you know, you have little, wonderful, wonderful, maybe not as wonderful, wonderful as a rich guy, but wonderful, wonderful. Your sacrifice might be, be, be what others think as little, but the Lord looks at that sacrifice as, a, as, a, as, as equal. Does that make sense? We're talking about Thanksgiving, not the holiday in November, not lions and turkeys and football games. We're talking about being joyful givers. Being the type of, of giver that, that Paul talks about, being joyful as we give. Not, oh boy, i got to give 10%. I can. And an offering too, oh my goodness. Instead, it's an attitude of thankfulness. I get to give, it's a pleasure to give. For what Jesus, after what Jesus has done for me, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to give. Like Mary, extravagantly. Like the widow, all I got. Not equal gifts, equal sacrifice. And Jesus said this, I say to you, Whenever, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And Jesus was absolutely right. You know, here we are 2,000 years later. Across the world in Flint, Michigan, talking about the beautiful, extravagant gift of Mary, a sacrificial giver. Well, Mark 14 goes on, talks about the Lord's Supper. It's Thursday now. We skipped Wednesday. It's Thursday now, Monday, Thursday. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper calls us to do it. We participate in it at least once a month. We're going to do it here in a few minutes. Hopefully you grab your little, you know, whatever you call it, you know, peel and play uh, communion. So Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, calls us to do it, says when we do it, we're to remember. What are we to remember? We're to remember Jesus' sacrifice. Remember, that's our word for the day, sacrifice. That Jesus, Jesus sacrificed for us. That's, that's the point. Jesus then tells the disciples, someone is going to betray me. And they say, it's not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. And he tells Peter in verse 33, truly I tell you this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he, Peter, said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all, all the disciples, said the same thing, not us, Jesus, not us, not us, not us, not us, not us. But you know what? They did. Every one of them did. They didn't sacrifice. They all denied Jesus, every single one of them. Jesus proceeds to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
I've been to the Holy Land twice, been to the Garden of Gethsemane twice. It's probably one of my favorite places in the Holy Land to go, quite honestly. I don't know, where's Ron? It's one of my favorite places to go, Ron. Because, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the Mount of Olives there, there are some trees that are 2,000 years old. You know what that means? Some of those trees were there when Jesus was praying. Now, they were probably little saplings back then, but some of those trees are 2,000 years old. When, you, uh, when you're in the Holy Land and you have a tour guide, they'll say, well, this might be where this happened or this could be where this happened. We think this is where that happened. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's where it happened. And some of those trees that are huge, 2,000 years old, they were little saplings back then. And if trees could hear, they could have heard. They could have seen the disciples sleeping and they could have heard Jesus praying. And Jesus, of course, you know, he prays that tremendous prayer. I'm so glad it's recorded. It's in verse, verse 36, the prayer that Jesus prayed in that garden is, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I've prayed the first half of that prayer plenty of times. Remove this cup, Lord. Here's what I want. This is what I'd like for you to do. This is what I wish you would do. This is what I want to happen. Remove this cup, Lord. I've prayed, I've prayed that about my migraines. Uh, lots of times, more times than I could probably count. I'm not ashamed to admit, prayed it lots and lots of times. You know, Paul, when he was talking about his thorn in the flesh, he said, he said, I was, well, he, this is it from, from 2 Corinthians. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul said he prayed for that three times. Three times. Big deal, Paul. Three times. You kidding me? I prayed for the Lord to take care of my migraines. Not three times, probably, probably 30,000 times, if I'm real honest. And you know what? Paul prayed, Paul prayed, Lord, I got this thorn in the flesh. Could you remove it, please? And guess what? That bad cup, it wasn't removed. God, this is what I want. I want you to take care of that cup. We've all been praying that in the pandemic, haven't we? Lord, take this away. We'd make it better. We'd be a whole lot better off if you'd just get rid of all this. We've been praying that, right? But what did Jesus, what did Jesus pray? Not my will, but yours. That, see, that's the tough part of the prayer. The first part is easy. Take it away, Lord. I want you to take this bad cup away. The second part is hard. Not my will, but yours. Because sometimes, hear this one. We don't want to hear this, but hear this. Sometimes God's will is we drink from the bad cup. I hate to say it, but Jesus didn't take away Paul's thorn in the side, and Jesus didn't take away Jesus' bad cup. He was arrested, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was crucified. Jesus drank from the bad cup. Sometimes God doesn't take away our bad cup, our difficult cup, pandemic, cancer, family problems dealing with aging parents, dealing with health issues of our kids, dealing with, with, with wayward kids, stupid choices of our kids, dealing with unsaved loved ones, living in places we don't want to live, walking walk a path we don't want to walk. Sometimes God doesn't take our bad cup. And sometimes that's hard. 
See, our highest priority, if we're like Jesus, saying, Lord, this is what I want. Here's, here's what I want. I'd rather you take care of that bad cup. I mean, I'm sick and tired of that bad cup. I'd do anything, Lord, if you take care of that bad cup. But, not my will, but yours. Oh, that's the hard part. Lord, I want your will done. I want your way to have, have, have be done. And if I have to drink on that bad cup, even if I'm nervous, and even if I'm worried, and even if I'm scared, and even if it isn't easy, and even if it's not popular, Lord, I've got to trust you, because you're all I got. And if I'm going down this path and I'm drinking from that bad cup, the one thing I've got to have is you, and I want your will to be done. Because if your will is done, then I'll be okay. That's a hard prayer. It, it's, it's a prayer that Habakkuk prayed. Habakkuk knew a thing or two about dealing with tough times. Habakkuk didn't have to deal with a pandemic. He had to deal with a famine. This is what he wrote. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the field produce no food, though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. In other words, everything stinks. I mean, the whole world stinks. It's an agricultural society that Habakkuk is writing. He's saying no figs, no olives, no sheep, no grapes, no cattle, all gone. It sounds like old Habakkuk is counting his woes and not his blessings. You know, you're supposed to count your blessings, name the one. He's counting his woes. No figs, no grapes, no cattle, no, 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 no sheep. It's bad. But then, but then the second part of his prayer. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread the heights. Lord, every single one of us, we can count our blessings. You've blessed us. Like Mary, if we, if we look across the room and we can just count how you have worked and how you have moved and how you have been in that troubling situation or a problem in the past and how you came and you have blessed us. Beyond measure, you have blessed us. So Lord, help us not to be like those disciples who say one thing but actions prove another. Help us to be like that old widow. She didn't have much, but what she had, she gave you. Help us to be like, like Mary who extravagantly gave you a sacrificial gift. Lord, whether it's big or small, help, it, help us, Lord, to have an attitude of thankfulness. A heart full of gratefulness for what you've done for us, for what you did on the cross, for your life that was sacrificed for us. We give you thanks. Jesus, you did pay it all. All to you we owe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.